At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool. And we've just, we've just not done a very good job at making the game accessible for people where they feel like they can actually play it. My name is Scott Hogan, and I'm a golf coach located just outside of Chicago, Illinois. Over the past several years, I've been searching for the knowledge that would make me a better golf coach and become someone who helps my students play better and enjoy the game of golf more. I never thought this search would take me to certain places or allow me to meet certain people, but as the search has continued and the knowledge has been learned, I want to invite you to join me along the way as we explore more ideas that help golfers and coaches become the most successful they can be. Welcome to the Be Epic Podcast. And thank you again, everybody. Welcome to the Be Epic Podcast. We are on episode five and First off, I wanted to start off by saying thank you, everybody, so much for the support we've had on episode one, two, three, and four. It's been fantastic. The, the feedback, the comments, that you've really enjoyed the information and found it helpful. Again, that's what makes it all worthwhile and what we're trying to do here and I'm trying to do through this podcast. So if you have any comments or if you've enjoyed it so far, please head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, working on getting it on some other platforms, but leave us a review. That really does help. And also, if you have any comments, please leave those as well. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, any of that stuff, we'd love to hear more of what you're looking for in future episodes. So today, we're going to be talking with someone that's had a huge influence on my career, and that's Mike Malaska. He is the director of instruction at Superstition Mountain Golf and Country Club, Las Sendas Golf Club. He's also the worldwide director of instruction for the Nicholas Academies. And he's been on the top 100 list for Golf Magazine for instructors since 1996. He also, in this past Golf Digest top 50 list, was voted number 19 in America, the number 19 instructor. He's worked with several tour players, uh, high-level players, juniors, and beginning golfers, and he's someone I got to spend a lot of time with in my career as I was down at Superstition Mountain Golf and Country Club for a few years, and he really had a huge influence on my career because I had I didn't have the idea of the, the direct track I was going to take in the golf industry. I'd been teaching, I'd been running facilities, didn't know which route I was going to be going, but he really showed me the uh, a path that could lead to really helping to get better. Uh, again, why we're doing this podcast really comes from my addiction to learn and you know try to be the best I can be in helping people enjoy the game and really hopefully enjoy their lives a little bit better, which is also a, a motto you'll hear Mike talk about as he goes through the interview. So um, a little bit more on Mike's background. You know, he's, he worked with Jim Flick. He also 
gets to talk regularly with Jack Nicholas again running his academy so he's going to provide some insight on this episode about those things but uh, again I think the the information you're going to start hearing you'll hear about you know neurology the physical side of the game everything that kind of goes into also that that plays with the the technical side of the game which I think is really important for people that really want to get good at the game a, a lot faster so uh, one note before we get started we did have to do this over the phone Micah just got back from a trip and I was out of town with my college team and Mike was leaving the next day to work with his company great life which uh, sounds awesome from what uh, he told me about it and he was heading to South Dakota so we wanted to get in so we did do it over the phone so I apologize for any audio issues or any any noise we're trying to cut that out as much as possible but the information is just too good not to share and wanted to get it as much as possible to you and quick as possible as we could so again without further ado we've got Mike Malasco We're joined by Mike Lansky. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike. I appreciate you taking the time out. I know you have a, a busy schedule, so appreciate you joining us on the Be Epic podcast. Uh, and how's everything going down in Arizona? Oh, great. No, and I appreciate the opportunity. You know, it's always always fun to talk about golf. Yeah. Mike, uh, for those that don't know about you or about your teaching, your background, can you give us a little background about how you got into the industry and your background as a teacher and as, uh, as a player? Well, I started out as a player. I was really good really early. I picked the game up really quick and got uh, college All-American, won our state open, and really didn't have, didn't know, had some concepts and ideas, but I'd never had a lesson. So then I started taking lessons, and I got significantly worse and uh, basically spent most of my career playing. I mean, I played U.S. Opens and PGA Tour events and mini tours and state opens, and I mean, I had quite a bit of success, but I never really felt, uh, I was never able to really hit it as a, as a kid. And uh, so a lot of what happened, I got hurt. I got involved with a guy that knew a lot of body and how it works. And I started to understand that. And I started learning more about that. And some things that I was trying to do in my swing started to not make sense. And so between that and and neurologists and physiologists and everything, I started to kind of figure out what I had as a kid and a lot of the instincts and why they worked. And um, as a teacher, you know, I was always interested in the teaching industry because I got more confused as I took more lessons because everybody was, you'd go to one person, they'd say one thing, you'd go to somebody, it'd be totally the opposite, you know, or, or uh, it just continually made it more confusing for me. So my quest, once I quit playing, was to try to figure out what I had when I was 17. And everybody said, well, you were just a kid. You just stood up and hit it. And, you know, you didn't have any nerves. You weren't worried. I said, well, no, no, that's not it. I know what it felt like, and I've been an athlete all my life. And so now, you know, 35, 40 years later, I, I pretty much understand why I had what I had and what those concepts were and why it made the game so much easier. And I have the physiology to back it up and the neurology and the learning processes. So I have a pretty good handle on what the game is and what it isn't. And um, so that's what I do with the teaching is try to make it simpler for people to where they can actually hit the ball well enough where they can actually start to try to play the game, which is which is what they're all trying to do initially, or, or uh, end result is play golf. Right. And 
So when you go to all these teachers, where do you think the confusion comes from? Why is, when you go to different teachers, is there confusion? Why isn't there a... a well, a lot of, a lot of teaching, a lot of teaching over the years has been driven by what, a, what good players felt like they were doing. And then the next thing that really confused it was video, stop action photography, because now you could all of a sudden, you could make a swing, you could take a good player, you could have him make a swing, you could stop it down, you could take an average player and have him make a swing, and you could identify these positions that were off. And the positions, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with the positions that are off, but the, but what I've learned over the years is that what a golf swing feels like and what it looks like and what you have to be doing with the club and your body to actually create the positions that you want to see are very different than the positions would allude to. So I got confused myself. I mean, I got into positions. I mean, it was start here, waist high here, top of the swing here, halfway down here, impact here, halfway through here. And all those positions may have been right, but as I kept trying to practice and hit these positions, I'd do them and I'd see on the video and the positions look better and the ball's going sideways. And I just couldn't make the positions and the ball flight add up. I mean, I'd either have the ball flight go where I wanted it to go I had to have the positions look good. And if the positions looked like they were supposedly supposed to, then the ball didn't go where I wanted it to go. And so I got trapped in, into a lot of that, and I think that's where the industry still is. I mean, we are basically an effect-driven industry. We look at numbers. Well, you're past this, your face is this. At the top of your swing, your club's over here, it's over there. And impact, you're here. And I'm going, okay, great. So that's what's off. So what's causing that? And how do you fix that? Well, just work on this position. No, that's not it. See, that's where the confusion starts to come in, is the the positions themselves are created by all these forces that are around you as you're moving and you're swinging an object around you. There's all these forces that are adding up to create a position. And so you have to know how to engage with and use these forces, and the positions then automatically show up. But they don't necessarily feel like those, like lag, for instance. Lag is an effect, not a cause. And where people are going, where, okay, you're casting the club, so hold the angle longer. No, that isn't going to work. Uh, it, that makes it actually worse. As far as where the ball, it'll look better on the video, but if you hold an angle or you hold your shoulders back in an athletic motion, anytime you hold back force, you're in trouble. So that's what my new book's about. It's called The Invisible Swing. So it's about the magic of a golf swing, which what is magic? It's momentum, acceleration, gravity, centripetal force, and inertia, which spells just happens to spell magic, which was kind of interesting how that worked out. And it's understanding those forces and how you engage those forces, and all of a sudden your swing starts to work, and it's like riding a bike. You don't forget it. Once you feel it, once you get the knack of how this force goes around you and how your body reacts to it, it's, it is very similar to riding a bicycle. You don't get to where you wake up one morning and you've forgotten how to ride a bike. Right. Is that where, you know, like you said, you were on the search to discover what you had when you were 17. I mean, that's what you had, right? You had this understanding. Well, you just didn't know you had it. Yeah, I just, I knew how to make, I was a good, I was a decent, good baseball player. I played every sport. I was a skier. I played basketball. I was a swimmer competitively up to college. Same with baseball. Same with basketball. So I knew when, when people talked about athleticism, I knew what athleticism felt like. 
at least from those other sports. And I transitioned my baseball swing when I started golf. All all golf was was a low outside pitch in baseball that I was trying to hit the center field. And the club face was the baseball bat. And now you've got a stationary ball that you're hitting to center field. Well, I could hit a moving ball to any any field you want me to hit it to. So it was really simple. And the movement pattern of my body how you hit a baseball and how you hit a golf ball are almost duplicates other than the golf ball is in the middle of your body and the baseball is out in front of you, so it's off in front of your left foot and it's on a tilted axis, so it's on a, it's like a low outside pitch. But fortunately, like I said, when I put my hands on the club, my grip, the way I put my hands on fit me to where it helped me square the face. That's the first thing people changed to me because they said I had too strong a left-hand grip. So they put me into a, what they called a neutral palms opposing grip, which basically what that did for me is it turned me into, I started hitting shots way to the right. And they told me, well, now your grip's good, but your timing's off. Well, the reality is the grip that I put my hands on when I started, my instinct for how to hold the club, fit me physically, which allowed me to square the face with a minimal amount of face rotation and a minimal amount of, of uh, compensation. And then how my body moved was exactly how I hit a baseball. So, And I've been doing that since I was three years old. So I didn't have to think about it. You've got this bat going around you that you're trying to run into a ball, and I could run a bat into a ball moving on any plane you want me to hit it on. So for me, mentally, now you have a stationary ball. The hand action I used was exactly the same as I used to hit a baseball. It was just the timing for the hit was a little different because the ball was in a different position. Well, now I understand why all that works. Uh, and when I when I went to my first, the first teacher I went to, he said I had too strong a grip and that my hands worked incorrectly, that I had, he called it a throw release which through the ball, my right hand didn't, my forearms didn't twist over. My my right hand worked a little more under, and, which is what everybody, most everybody on tour does now. And uh, so my instincts initially were good, and I didn't have to practice that much to be able to hit the ball decent. I mean, it was a stationary mm-hmm. ball. I didn't understand why everybody struggled with it. It was kind of boring at first. I mean, I hit it fairly well immediately. And... Uh, now I understand from a from an anatomic perspective, from a physics perspective, from a learning perspective, why the game became so easy for me so quick. And I also understand, well intended that these people were, why what they gave me complicated my ability to control the face. And so some key things that I always see is people are always talking about trying to get the face, you know, you know, you can't use your hands to control the face, right? Or that it's almost like a taboo thing to say. It's like we want to take the hands out of it. And yeah, I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, it's no, totally like dis- I totally yeah. disagree. Here's what I would say. If you use your hands correctly, you cannot use them too much. Now, the better your hands are at using the club, all of a sudden you get the club in a better arc. So the feel is that your hands are more and more quiet because your hands are not having to uh dramatically catch up or compensate for something that's off while the club's coming in the ball. It's interesting there was an there was an interview just last week, two we week ago at the Dell tournament with Tiger Woods. And they they started asking Tiger about 
his golf swing, what was going on. And he says, he, and so what he, what he said was, right at the very first, he says, my golf swing's always been driven by my hands. He says, my hands are the most important. He says, I've always trusted my hands. And he says, I've, I've, have I worked on positions? Have I worked on body movement? Well, yeah, sure, I have. But he says, bottom line and end result is my hands that played the game. He says, my body follows my hands and arms. And he says, that's all I've ever tried to do, and that's why I've been able to play. And I and I talked to Nicholas just a couple of days ago, and I asked Jack. I said, Jack, how important are your hands in the golf swing? And he goes, well, that's a dumb question. And I said, no, no, I'm, how important are your hands? He goes, well, your hands are your only connection to the club. He says, they're extremely important. But he says, the better your hands get, then the less you have to actually use them, and, the, and then your swing gets better and better because your body figures out what it has to do to allow your hands to do what they have to do. Now, these are two pretty good players, Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus. I agree. And, you know, and yet the industry now, what's the golf swing about? It's about core. It's about body rotation. It's, and I'm not saying that's wrong, and I'm not saying that the tour players aren't working on that, but what you have to understand, these guys and these gals are, are savants with their hands. They have phenomenal hand-eye coordination, every single one of them. So it allows them to try things and do things with their bodies. And once they start to do that, then their body starts moving a certain way. Then your hands go, okay, if you're going to do that, here's what I have to do to make this work. The average player, and I'd say more than average, probably 85 to 90% of people that we're trying to teach to play this game, their hands are on the club incorrectly for them. And even if they were on incorrectly, if you practice work in the club face, you could make a bad grip work. But most of them, their grips on the club incorrectly, and they have no idea how to control the club face with their hands and arms. None. If you ask them to do just basic skills where they eliminate body motion and they just have to do basic skills controlling path and face, they can't do it. Mm-hmm. So if you can't do the basic skills, if you can't add 2 plus 2, if you get in 5 and you go to multiplication or division, you're in trouble. The problem is our industry has never never defined a learning process for the game. It's random access of information. And most places you go, the first thing they talk about past your posture and your grip is how to shift your weight, turn your body, and finish. They don't start with, let's control the face. Here's how your hands make the face work. Here's little path drills. Can you do that? They don't start there because our industry has been very remiss in defining any type of consistent learning process or skill development process. This is a skill development game. It's not a random access of information. That's why people struggle, because they access information that assumes a level of competency they do not have in their hands or in their bodies. And so they go out and try to do it. They can't do it. And they get they get upset, and they get frustrated, and they quit. Well, Everybody would quit skiing, or most people would quit skiing if the only run you could run was a super steep downhill with big moguls. Not too many people would ski. Mm-hmm. And if you had to play baseball, and every the only baseball you could hit was one coming at you at 90 miles an hour, not too many people would play baseball. Right, yeah. And if you had to play tennis, but you had to play tennis, and it was somebody shooting a ball at you at 70, 80, 100 miles an hour, and that's where you started, and that's how you had to play, not too many people would play tennis. So most other sports, either the speed of the ball 
or the severity of the game, the potential for injury, force you to a pace you understand or you, you either get hurt or you cannot even participate. Golf allows people to go at a speed that they have no control of and no idea what's going on, and occasionally they run the club into the ball. And they think, I got it. No, you got lucky. There is no way you can explain to me or duplicate what you just did. Or if it doesn't work, tell me, what are you going to do on the next one to fix it? They have no idea. Keep my head down. I'm going to keep my left. Well, I pulled out of that one. Well, those are just random thoughts. They don't necessarily have, they don't. And if, they, if that did happen, most of the time it's an effect. It's not the cause. So that's the biggest problem with the, with the industry and with the game. Hitting the golf ball should not be that difficult to get fairly good at it because it's a stationary ball that you control your grip, your posture, your ball position, your aim every single time and the ball isn't moving. That should be fairly easy to get decent at. Then once you get decent at that, then you can start trying to play the game. That's what makes golf difficult is the game itself. It shouldn't be hitting the ball. But most people never get to where they can hit the ball with any consistency where they can even try to play the game. Right. Do you think uh, now when you're talking, all right, you don't learn the proper way to hit the ball, I mean, right off the bat, the first thing that comes to mind for me is compensations from the body is that where injuries would come from, things like that, if there's a, a bad concept in there. Oh, yeah. See, that's yeah. What, what hurt me. What hurt me was, I mean, I got, I blew two discs in my lower back and one on my neck, which is basically, I won't say that ended my career. My career was basically ended or dramatically handicapped the first lesson I took because what they did with my grip and what they showed me the club face was supposed to do just absolutely come, it made it so difficult to be as consistent. And I was still able to do it fairly well because I had good hand-eye coordination. But the movement patterns and the way I was trying to move, as a lot of these guys are today, put so much stress on the body in places it doesn't need to have stress relative to swinging a golf club that if you're going to do it a lot, you're just you're going to get hurt. It, it's going to cause an injury. It's an overuse syndrome forcing a joint capsule to do something or a vertebrae to do something it's not designed to do. You do that enough and your body's going to go, time out, we're done. Yeah. When, uh, so is that, here's the thing I always think about with, with golf when you talk neurology. Like, you know, I, I grew up learning musical instruments as a, as a young kid. And so I learned, and like you said, sports, you know, I had sports too, but I learned from musical instruments, I learned how to learn something. Right. That's something that's, that's something that's missing right there in what you're talking about is, is, Okay, exactly. See, what you just said there, if you go back to how you play, like I play the guitar. Right, me too, okay. yeah. Everything, <laughs> everything we've ever done like that has a process. Now, it'd be nice, that when I started playing the guitar, the first song, I wanted to play the solo for Stairway to Heaven. Okay, nice concept. I can even show you the notes. I can even show you the script. I can show you whatever you want. I can show it to you. I can even demonstrate, but that doesn't mean you're going to be able to do it. So what do I have? What do I have to start with? Okay, here's the basic chords. Here's open chords. Here's barred chords. Here's the scales. Here's the pentatonic scale. Here's the okay. So you you have to. There's a skill development that you have to go through to be able to even attempt to play the solo for Stairway to Heaven. Okay. 
and if and, and and but there's a definite pathway. There's a step one, step two, and and, and if you do the pathway, you're going to get to the point where you can play it. Okay, that happens in in guitar, in piano. It happens in almost every sport. It happens in every discipline, math, science. There's a there's a skill pathway to be able to get to a proficient level. There isn't one in golf. We've never defined it. Nobody wants to do it. Everybody has a different idea about what it is. And all I've done is gone back and said, okay, what's the first and most important skill in playing golf or concept? And so you start with step one. Do you understand this? Can you do this? Yes, I can. Okay, here's the next step. Can you? Can. No, I can't. Okay, so, so it's, it's this graduation of skill development, just like in a guitar. If you picked a guitar up and said, I want to play, say, well, let me see what you can do. Let's play me, uh, play me a blues scale, play me a pentatonic scale, play me a, an open F chord and a, and a barred F chord. You go, well, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. What is that? Okay, well, guess where we're going to have to start? We're not going to start with, with major patterns and major chord progressions. We're going to start with, Here's an A, here's a C, here's a D in the open position. And we may even be more archaic than that and just start with here's the fretboard, here's the notes. Okay, it's, it's, that's what golf should be. And if we had a process, which I've been developing and what I use, if we had a process, people get significantly better. Uh, it's pretty simple. So what... What's that process look like? Let's say you have, because the goal is to get people to enjoy this game, right? Where that's our, the teachers, that's our job, right? To get right. people to play it and grow the industry. What's the path look like for you? you know, well, the, the path. Super basic one. I know there's a lot of skills, but. Well, the, the path, first of all, the most important concept in the golf swing is how the club face interacts with the ball and how it makes the ball get in the air and makes it curve the way it curves. That's the first. Do you understand how this works? A lot of people don't. The second one is how do your hands control the face? Because I don't, I don't care what you tell me, your hips do not control the face. They can add complexity and they can add or take away from how much your hands have to do, but your hands control the face. So how does the club face fit in your hands? What's the orientation of the face? How do your hands make the face work? And can you sit here and make the club face in your hands interact with each other and make the make the face hit onto the ball where it would make the ball do different things. Now what's interesting is I get some really good players, really good players that show up that are struggling with their games and I put a club face in their hands and I say, okay, feel the face, you feel where it's at? Oh yeah, I am. Okay, so this is a hook, this is a fade, this does this, this does that. Okay, good. Now stand up to the ball and just feel the club face in your hands and make a swing and let's start making the ball curve. But just feel what your hands are doing with the face. And I've had a number of them say, you know, I've never even thought about that. I go, really? Well, how come you're hitting it so much better now? And, oh, by the way, you're, this is working better than it was working a minute ago, and you're not even thinking about it. And I go, well, I don't know why that's working. I go, well, because, because you've given your hands a task. Your brain's a taskmaster. If you have the correct task, your body eliminates anything and everything not relevant to the task. So all of a sudden, if you put a club face in your hands and you show the path that you're supposed to be swinging it on, your body starts to go, okay, if that's what I'm trying to do, 
your body starts to accommodate and not get in the way of it. That's not how we teach golf. What we teach golf is get your grip. Now, here's how you turn your hips. Here's how you shift your weight. Here's where you finish. So they put body over hands and arms, almost everybody. And so then what happens is the task that you're given, your, your brain is a taskmaster, so it goes to moving the body. And it doesn't take into account what the hands and arms are going to have to do. So what I found is that when somebody is given the correct task or they're given a certain task, your brain is a taskmaster. It's incredible how quick it changes. And, if, and it, what it does is it says, okay, if that's the task, and this is then what's it, it starts to do any, like I said a minute ago, it eliminates most anything and everything not relevant to the task. So the key becomes what is the task? If the task is clear your hips, if the task is lag the club, if the task is any number, shift your weight, which in my opinion, most all of those are effects. They're not causes. Now you've got a task that's questionable. But your brain thinks, well, this is the task. Hold the angle in your wrist. So it does it. You can't hit the ball. Or the, the task is shift your weight, which is another bizarre and very misleading concept. Golf is not a weight shift game. It's a force transfer game. There is very little body mass shift in a golf swing. There's mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of force that moves right to left, but not body mass, mm -hmm. which, is, which is another misconception in our game is this shift your weight. I mean, you give somebody the task of shift their weight, they're going to shift their weight, and it's going to look like a sway because their upper body is going to go back and forth because that's what your brain understands is weight shift. It's body mass movement. And if your brain connects that task to your neurological system, then your body and your hips are already trying to sway before you move because you've already hooked up the firing pattern. And then you go to swing and somebody says, whoa, 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 we don't want you to sway. Your right hip's swaying. Well, your brain's confused now because do you want me to shift my weight or do you want to leave my hip there? Well, it's not a weight shift game. It's a force transfer game. So it's like hitting a baseball. You're putting force right foot, left foot. You're not moving body mass right to left. So it's very, very misleading, the task that our industry as a whole has given people. Restrict your hips. Shift your weight. Clear your hips. Finish here. Do this. Do that. Those are tasks that create pictures in people's minds that make it almost impossible for them to actually do what it is they want to do. Because the task they're giving is not a task, it's an effect of another task. And and we only got so much mental bandwidth too, right? You can't handle, if you give them, let's say you gave them, a, you got a task to, you know, whatever, rotate your hips because you want the face to do this. Well, you got one or the other, right? I mean, especially in a second of a golf swing. I mean, what are you going to focus you on? There's been all kinds of studies, learning studies done on astronauts and athletes and people in general. And if you, okay, in a golf swing, if you give somebody a specific one, it's not, you never give them one thing. So if you, if you move the grip a little bit, it's not just a grip change, it's then a face change. So every one is two things, minimal. So your, bot, your brain can only handle in motion two variables, and it goes into what they call discoordination. 
So when somebody's standing over the ball and they're saying, left arm straight, do this with the face, finish with your hips, that's not three things. That's basically six to nine things because of all of the residual timings that go along with those changes. Well, in less than half a second, which is basically how much time it takes you to get from the top to the ball, and your swing overall is no more than two seconds, you cannot... there's no way your body, your brain can process the information that quickly. See, your instincts are faster. So your hand-eye coordination is significantly faster than you think. So so if your hands know, that's why good players make bad swings and hit good shots, because their hands are so good, they make a swing, and the, their hands feel where the club is, and it makes corrections. But you can't verbally be giving yourself a command, get to the top and start down, and say, okay, hold the angle right to there, now go. See, that makes no sense at all because the swing is happening so quickly. By the time you give yourself a verbal command and it gets to your brain and your brain connects to the neurological system to do it, I mean, it's over. So all that does, all that verbal communication does is create a block for neurology, for, your, for the flow of what you're trying to do. So, that's, so then you glitch. It's like a computer that just gets overloaded with information. So what does it do? It freezes. Okay, well, most people's brains, their neurological system in their golf swing freezes because they overload it with what I would consider most of it not even valuable information. But but all of a sudden, it's got so much happening so quick with too much input, like your computer does, it just glitches. Right. And, And so... You know, I, I, like I say, I've spent a lot of time with learning people. How does your brain learn? And, and what you just said, what you've spent, how do you learn things? You know, when you're a baby, how do you learn to walk? How do you learn to move? How do you, how do you learn to do things? What is the process? And, and very few people in our industry, in the golf industry, understand learning as a skill. And it is a skill. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and, if you don't understand learning pathways and you start to bombard it with skills or, or concepts that assume levels of competency you don't have, then you fall into what they call discoordination, which nothing works, which is where probably 95% of the golfing population is. So some major takeaways throughout that entire interview. The biggest one right off the, the bat we were talking about hands and the role of the hands in the golf swing and i thought the key quote was if you use your hands correctly you can't use them too much i think that's an interesting idea as you start watching instruction and a lot of the commentary i hear on television and i'll hear throughout the the entire medium but i know as i've gone through the more we've educated the hands i've heard that term come up of late having educated hands I think it's really, really a lot easier to start hitting the golf ball where you want and having some more fun with the game and actually getting some distance out of it. The other thing, too, was just as we were talking at the end and, and kind of throughout the whole uh, the whole process is, you know, the process of learning and having these ideas of how, what does it take to learn something, learn a new skill, how do you have to go through to do these things? And if, you're, if your goal is to learn the skill of a golf swing, well, where would you go in other disciplines? Would you start with multiplication to learn math, or do you need to learn how to add first? Those are the types of things that I think can be really tough 
make it really hard on our players or parents on your juniors if we forget those ideas as we go through. So some really awesome information from Mike throughout that entire interview. If you want to catch up with Mike, we'll let him tell you a little bit more about where you can find him. And he's got some great content online that I, let, I highly recommend you, you check out, as he'll describe here. Well, yeah, they can, Malaska Golf, you can go to malaskagolf.com. I've got a website that has a learning process on it. Uh, my YouTube, Mike Malaska, there's a lot on YouTube. And I would think the, the basic message I'm trying to get out to people is that it's doable. You can play this game. You can have fun with it. You, you can be proficient, fairly proficient at hitting the golf ball. Are you going to play the tour? Probably not. But you can be, it's one of the few sports where most everybody I talk to, especially good athletes, this is always something that's gotten me and because it didn't happen to me initially. They say, you know, I've been really good at this. Any sport I wanted to play, I was really good at. And I come to golf and I can't even hit the ball. Okay, something's wrong with that. You take a superstar baseball player or tennis player and, or, or somebody who's really good at table tennis and they come to golf and they can't hit the ball. Okay. What's, that can't happen. You go from a moving ball that they're really good at to a stationary ball they can't hit. It doesn't make any sense unless you understand what happened to them and what they're thinking when they go from the moving ball to the stationary ball and the information they're trying to process and the way they're trying to do it, then it becomes obvious why they can't do it. So it's it's not hard for people to get competent or understand what's causing the ball to do what and get pretty good at hitting the ball where they want it to go. That's not that hard to do. Then that allows you to start to try to play the game, which that is where golf is one of the probably the best game ever invented and probably one of the hardest games invented because of all the variables that are involved in playing the game. But but most people never get to the point where they can start to try to play the game because they never ever get to the point where they can hit the ball with any degree of consistency and or understand when they miss it what happened and how do I fix it. Like I say, it's just a random access of information that they try something, and all of a sudden they hit a good shot, and they go, there it is. I go, no, that wasn't it at all. Was, okay, try to do it again. It doesn't work the next time. Well, why didn't it work? It worked last time. Well, because their their information is based on just random information, not on skill development. See, I just want people to have more fun with the game and stay with it and not quit. Because it's yeah, a game that offers so many opportunities in life and with families. And we've just we've just not done a very good job at making the game accessible for people where they feel like they can actually play it. And that's where we're going to wrap it up again. Thank you so much to Mike Malaska for taking the time out of his very, very busy schedule to talk with me and hopefully share with you some of the ideas that really helped me grow as a teacher and an instructor and, and as a coach. So I was talking about the, the neurology and the science behind that part of the game and helping people really understand how to get better at this game and what it takes for that to happen. So, again, can't thank him enough. Make sure you go check out MolaskaGolf.com. Uh, he has a great membership site up. Actually, a member myself that we use for our, our high school coaches, our JV 
coaches that we want to get them kind of up to speed. They can watch at their own pace and see some of these processes, the skill processes that he is talking about referring to there. So make sure you check him out. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you click the subscribe button or leave us a review. It really does help. And if you have any comments or questions, again, Mike did mention he'd love to come back on. So if you have any questions you'd like for us to ask, him the next time please leave comments for us and make sure you follow scott hogan golf on instagram twitter facebook and you can leave your comments there as well so that'll do it for this episode of the be epic podcast again thank you so much everybody for listening and we will see you in the next episode 